Dave Fanning on 2FM. Now, uh, we're in the middle of awards season with the recent Golden Globes proving a great night for the Irish. Numerous gongs for the Banshees of Inishirin. Martin McDonagh's Black Comedy has also just received a string of nominations for the BAFTAs, the kind of English Oscars, if you like, taking place next month. The Banshees of Inishirin is just uh, one movie featuring some of Hollywood's A-listers. But where did all these big stars start out? The A-listers I'm talking about. And what were the minor roles that they popped up in before fame came calling? Well, to find out more, Alan Core of RT Entertainment, let's take a look at basically B-movie debuts of A-list stars. Is that what I'm calling it, Alan, yeah? Absolutely, Dave, why not? OK, so before we look at the, 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 the sort of less than stellar film debuts, are, are there many actors who've won Oscars for their film debuts? There actually are a surprising number of stars who were just so damn good the first time out they got Oscars. Uh, Julie Andrews, I think, is the earliest one. She would have got an Oscar for a film debut for Mary Poppins uh, uh, in 1965 for Best Actress. Uh, and I think it was well-deserved. It was also sweet justice for Julie because uh, even though she had played the, ro- the role of Eliza Doolittle on stage for years in London and in New York, she was overlooked for the movie version of My Fair Lady in 1964, which was the same year as Mary Poppins because uh, producer Jack L. Warner didn't think she was known enough as a, a movie actress. So how's that for a spoonful of sugar? So fair play to Julie. Barbara Streisand also won the Best Actor Oscar for her role in Funny Girl in 1969, which is pretty good going for her first time out, especially as she tied with a, a certain Catherine Hepburn at the Academy Awards the same year. Uh, also, Timothy Hutton won an Oscar in 1981 for his debut role in Ordinary People. Uh, quite a few other people as well, and quite a few young people have won Oscars as well, Dave. Tatum O'Neill, uh, 10 years old in 1974 for Paper Moon. Uh, her dad, of course, was in that movie with her, and uh, he didn't get an Oscar for the same movie. And apparently, according to Tatum, uh, that caused oh, quite yeah. a bit of uh, yeah. resentment between the two of them. Mm, yeah, I know. There's been a lot of bad vibes down through the years. He's a very strange man, Ryan O'Neill. So, um, mm. and Anna Paquin, she was very young as well, wasn't she? Yes, she was very young. She was she was 11 in 1994. She was second only to Tatum O'Neill. And are there uh, other film movie. debut Oscar winners? Uh, there's a there's a couple of mo- there's a couple of more uh, famously uh, Marley uh, Matlin uh, won for her first movie oh, yeah. in 1986 Children of a Lesser God. Of course, God. that movie. I mean, she was in she was the main actress almost anyway in uh, the movie that won the Oscar for best movie last year, Coda. Oh yeah, of course that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course she did. This is a this is a great movie. She's not only the, you know the youngest, still the youngest uh, wi- woman uh, actress to win an Oscar, but also the first and so far only deaf actor. Yeah. Uh, to to win an Oscar, there's also um, what's her name, Lapita Nyong'o. She won an Oscar as well for her debut in Twelve Years a Slave oh, yeah. in t- 2014, and she wasn't even finished Yale's this Yale School of Drama, and she won an Oscar. So that's uh, pretty impressive. Okay, well that's a pretty good start for that lot. But let's have a look at perhaps lowly beginnings of actors who went on to be megastars. George Clooney had an interesting start in movies 40 years ago. Yeah, the future sexiest man alive and the doctor who made hearts go giddy up on Eeyore began his acting career in a delightful little schlocker movie in 1983 called Grizzly 2, The Revenge, which of course was a sequel to the 1976 masterwork Grizzly. Uh, now you may have guessed... Uh, <laughs> I've never seen was... Grizzly or Grizzly 2. <laughs> <laughs> Look out late at night, it could pop up somewhere on the horror yeah, channel. Right, I suppose yeah. it hasn't been played anywhere. But as you might have guessed, Dave, this flick was about a giant man-eating bear. Uh, and the plot line is all hell breaks loose when a giant grizzly 
reacting to the slaughter of his mates by poachers attacks at a massive rock concert by a famous band in the US National Park. Uh, now, I'm with the Bears in this one, and sadly, uh, the famous band in question was not an early incarnation of Brooklyn indie darlings Grizzly Bear. Uh, the film features a very young Charlie Sheen, the great Laura Dern, the late great Laura Fletcher, who, of course, played Nurse Ratchet in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and Timothy Spall as Bob the sound engineer. <laughs> now, unfortunately, it was never released, uh, but it, it features Clooney in double denim, camping under the stars with his girlfriend before being mauled by this yogi gone bad. I'm sure George made a very uh, sexy corpse. I think you might have a clip, a clip there. Uh, it was never yeah, released, I, I say, do. but we have a clip, I think. Yeah, yeah, hold on a second, here he is. Okay, I fooled you there. I did say I had a clip. All right, that's a clip. That's a clip. As far as I'm concerned. Okay, let's get. To, that's, uh, that's Grizzly Two, is it right? Grizzly Two: The Revenge. Oh, sorry, God, I better get that right. Of course, yeah, don't yeah. confuse it with the masterwork from 1976. Right, you have to remember the colon. Okay, Marilyn Monroe. Tell me about her. Yeah. Um, now, I think that everyone. I, well, I certainly. I, I thought that you know, Marilyn. The first time Marilyn made audience and indeed studio sit up and take notice was in the asphalt jungle in 1950 but she had numerous bit parts in several movies before that uh, the first being the crime drama dangerous years in 1947 uh, she plays evie a waitress at a duke joint called the gopher hole and the synopsis for this movie dangerous years goes during a warehouse robbery a youth counselor is killed by the leader of a teen gang and the prosecuting district attorney is determined to see justice done and now here's a clip of Eva waiting tables and brushing off one of the many boys who's chasing her. Okay, Alan, small change chorus who we're talking to here, and we're looking <laughs> at oh, the, like the kind of the nowhere to huge. Okay, so Marlon Monroe, yeah. you can't get huger. Okay, so Leonardo, DiCaprio, yeah, uh, yeah. It seems to be that schlocky horror movies were the springboard for a yeah, lot of actors back really back does. in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, this this is you know, DiCaprio, the man has got got to go on to great fame and future, the future actor of his generation status, and he starred in Critters Three. Back in 1991, playing Josh, who watches on as uh, said critters maul his stepfather to a bloody end. Uh, now, the, the rather snappy tagline for this movie was, you are what you eat. Now, I love a good no-budget horror flick, but this is hardly the start, of the, the start for Leo, you might have expected, Dave. After all, the story goes that when De Niro, Robert De Niro, first saw Leo on stage, he rang Martin Scorsese and said, you got to see this guy, you got to see this guy. He's like me when I was a kid, you know? So Leo came from very small beginnings. Now, review aggregation website Rotten Tomatoes gives Critters 3 an approval rating of 0%. Um, now, to be fair, that's only based on, you know, reviews from six critics. But what the hell do critics know anyway, Dave? Um, but here's a clip of the very young Leo trying to get out of a locked room at Critters 3. Uh, no, no critters were harmed in the making of this movie. Jeez, right to that? Looks like I'll have to charge somebody for a new door. Give me the keys, I'm gonna wait in the car. Forget it. We're in this together. 
Right, so it's the other voice. It's it's the kiddie voice. That, that's Leonardo there, obviously, I presume. Yeah, right. Okay, fair enough. I think so, yeah, possibly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's called Critters 3. And then, of course, he went on to This Boy's Life with De Niro and uh, Gilbert Grape yes. and all that, those kind of movies, you know. I didn't realise mm-hmm. that, that De Niro had such a big sort of... I see him on stage, I ring my friend Marty and say, listen, Mr. Scott, yeah, that's how the story. that's the well, story, all right, yeah. Okay, give us somebody else. Well, Kerry Condon. Now, yeah. Kerry Condon, you know, Kerry we will Condon's know. Kerry Condon's one of the greats. Why? Why? You, well, you, I think she's one of the greats because Better Call Saul. Yeah, I, was, I thought you were going to say the Banshees of Inisherin, which I do, absolutely great, whatever, you know. <laughs> but it's Better Call Saul, absolutely, yeah. But she also played the voice of Iron Man 2, uh, uh, oh. Iron Man's, um, Tony Stark's suit in Iron Man 2, Dave, don't right, forget that. Okay, fair enough, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but we'll know, we'll know Kerry, she, she's from Thurlis. Uh, she's got a lot of uh, tension recently because of her role as Siobhan in Better in uh, Banshees of Inisherin. Yeah. Uh, she's also in Better Call Saul. It was brilliant, Saul. she was with us on the programme a few years back and I was going into such minutiae and detail she was going really? God I didn't realise that when I was doing that scene it was like you know when you're a sad sort of fan of something <laughs> anyway in, ter- in terms of Better Call Saul yeah like I mean because like, there's a scene at the beginning of one programme which she's in like she's she's Mike's uh, daughter-in-law because yeah. you know, Mike's son was the cop that's, who, right. Yeah, blah, blah. that's right yeah yeah anyway but like there's a train comes into a station and the way the train came into the station I went on for about three minutes she went Holy shit! I didn't realise this was happening. Anyway, are like, you one of these people? Are sorry, you I am. Yes, with Better Call Saul, I am. Who thinks Better Call Saul is better than Breaking Bad? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Breaking Bad. Like, some, one, one of the things is about all these programs is if you're there at the beginning, you feel something. And I was there at the beginning of Breaking Bad, but not at the beginning of a lot of other things. And I thought Breaking Bad was fantastic. Better Call Saul is better. Simple as that. Now, right. um, Kerry Condon, go back to her. Tell Strong me. disagree, yeah. but in any case. Uh, before she went to Hollywood, she was in a couple of episodes of shamrock-tinted rural soap Bally Kiss Angel as Ooh. Mairead Riley. She was also in Rat with Pete Postlethwaite in the year 2000, which oh, was about a man yeah. who comes home from the pub, literally rat-arsed in that he turns into a rat. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and she, she was also in a movie uh, with Colin Meaney called How Harry Became a Tree. Mm. But way before any of that... Um, or just around, just after that, I should say, she had appeared on the screen with Colin Farrell before. Oh, uh, yeah, an Irishman. In yeah. the most unpleasant way back in 2003 in Intermission, which was a great little movie about a group of small-town Irish delinquents. Now, she plays the waitress oh, in the, the cafe. The, the brown sauce, um, what do you call it? Uh, in the sandwich. tea. Sandwich, yeah. Uh, in the no, tea. in the tea. That's you put the brown right. sauce in the tea. the tea. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that never really caught on, did it? No. Jeepers. It was a very, very strange scene, actually. Suddenly, what the hell is Colin Farrell? Yeah, but this is this is the Farreller as Lahif, who is just, you know, deranged, obviously. And he punches Kerry Condon's character in the face, in the movie. Um, now, this is certainly very in sharp contrast to Kerry being so nice to Colin in The Banshees of Inish Aaron. Yeah. Now, we, we do have a clip here of the Farreller after hitting poor Kerry. And a trivia, a trivia fact here, Dave... This scene was filmed in Rat Farnham Shopping Centre. Time comes, you have to leave behind the old Hellraiser man. Take some responsibility for your life. Prepare the groundwork. How'd you do that? Well, to begin with, I'd say by nest building. You have to find an abode you feel secure in. Then you have to furnish that abode. Procure the necessaries, furniture, etc. Kitchen utensils, your work, your juices. What about love? Well, love's not something you can plan for, is it? I mean, look all you like as long as you like, but it's only when you let your guard down. When you least expect. That you find someone, yeah. Right, indeed. Uh, he, of course, he plays a very different character on the Banshee's going to share, and he needs looking after sure him. She's the sister who does that. Okay, so, yeah, uh, Julia yeah. Roberts or Steve McQueen, maybe? 
Well, Steve McQueen, yeah. I mean, the man who would go on to be the very essence of cool in movies like The Great Escape and Cincinnati Kid made his first credited feature film debut in 1958 in a movie called Never Love a Stranger. Now, this is based on the novel by Har- Harold... Neither have I actually did it too before, before I started doing this. Uh, based on a novel by Harold Robbins, he plays Martin Cabal, uh, a Jewish law student who is getting bullied by local anti-Semitic hoods. One day, Martin is befriended by Frankie Kane, who is played by John Drew Barrymore, son of the great Johnny Mar- uh, uh, John Barrymore and the father of Drew Barrymore. Now, this character, um, Frankie, teaches uh, Martin how to box so he can defend himself. They drift apart, and years later, they find themselves in offices of the law. Martin now is his t- t- uh, assistant to district attorney, and he's pledged to the theme of a local crime syndicate who Frankie has fallen in with. Now, here's a clip uh, with McQueen visiting Barrymore, who's recovering in hospital. Well, they let me out of this place in about a week. You're pretty run down. Oh, I can't wait a week. I... Got to get some dough together. I seem to think it's more important that you eat. They figure you hadn't eaten in about a week. I guess that's one of the things you need dough for. <laughs> don't you want to see Julie? No. She's singing in a nightclub now. Hey, you know, I understand she's pretty good. Last time I saw her, she asked about you. Look, it's no use, kid. You can't turn back the clock. Just get him to get me out of here, will you? Forget you ever saw me. Never love a stranger, Steve McQueen. And just one note on that too. We were talking to Pat Carty earlier on about David Crosby. Mm. And uh, one little anecdote that we didn't say is that Drew Barrymore had drug problems, big drug problems. And yeah. uh, what do you call it? David Crosby and his wife took her in and helped her out and got her dry or got her clean or whatever the word is. So, yeah. Wow, okay, wow, so wow. Julia yeah. Roberts. Yeah, no, don't believe anyone who tells you that Julia Roberts, one of the biggest film stars of the past 30 years, started out in Mystic Pizza. Her first movie was actually something called Firehouse in 1987, in which she played Babs. Now, according to Internet Movie Database, and I quote, some some sexy women get out of firefighter school and go for the jobs they train for, but first they must survive their male counterparts teasing them. Uh, Now, this sounds pretty hot, all right, but she was uncredited in that movie, Dave. She wasn't credited for Firehouse. Her first credited movie role was as Daryl, in the 1988 romantic comedy Satisfaction, which also starred Justine Bateman. And get this, Liam Neeson, as a club manager who spends a lot of the movie in very unseasonable black uh, polar neck. And the movie saw Roberts as a member the, uh, of an old girl. Neil Neeson? I'm just looking at the trailer yesterday. There's, um, what do you call it? Uh, Marlowe. Marlowe. Yeah, Philip Marlowe. And uh, Neil Jordan's made it, and Liam Neeson's the main guy in it. I mean, he is Marlowe. Yeah. Uh, he is Marlowe indeed, yes. Uh, and basically, I was looking at the credit roll for that earlier on. There was a screen, screen grab up on Twitter. There's about 57 producers on that. Right. This is how you finance a movie these days, Dave. Yeah, right, indeed, yeah. 57. There's about yeah. 28 producers listed. And there's um, a scene you know. where, where, what do you call him, he's sitting at the bar with Colomini in it as well, yeah. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Can't wait for that. Can't yeah. wait for that. But she's in Julia Roberts is in, in, in this old girl rock group called Mystery. And they're struggling with men and drugs during a summer gig uh somewhere down south. Now the by the way, Julia also popped up in a nineteen ninety-eight episode of Miami Vice. Now here's a trailer for Satisfaction. And I gotta say, Julia Roberts oh, uh, already has a lot of presence way back then. Yeah, I'd say that's a nineteen eighty-eight episode if we're talking Miami Vice, but maybe not. Hold on. I'm talking about a good time here. Entire summer at the beach and getting paid to boot. We finally got a chance for someone a little class. I said we'll do it. Well, let's vote on it. Oh! Making it is their dream. You better not blow this audition. This place is heaven. 
This summer is their chance. Sue, no, can't you be subtle? Who the hell are you, people? I'm Jenny Lee. We're here for the audition. We have come a long way. We deserve our shot up there. So Liam Neeson is the man in the black polo neck all the way through, right? In the middle of summer, yeah. Did I say a 1998 episode of Miami yeah, Voice? Yeah, yeah. Oh, duh. <laughs> anyway, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, yeah. Now, before Tom uh, got big, real big, after big, in, what, 1987, 1988, everyone's favourite every man actor played Elliot, uh, a psychology student who meets the female lead while he's out jogging. Perhaps he was getting in shape for Forrest Gump in the 1980 flasher flick uh, called He Knows You're Alone. Oh. Now... <laughs> Yeah, and he's got his first big novel coming out in a few months' time as well, Tom Hanks. That's right, yeah, and he, he's, he collects typewriters, of course. Yeah, he does, yeah, he's got something like 200 of them or something, yeah. Anyway, uh, what about the queen of all acting, Meryl Streep? Well, this is uh, Gay Byrne's favourite actress of, of all time, of course, and uh, she's just recently signed up to star in the new season of Only Murders in the Building. Yeah, so I hear. Uh, but way back in 1976, she made her screen debut in something called Everybody Rides the Carousel, which uh, was an animated, uh, and I quote, uh, movie tracing of the eight stages of life from infancy to old age as they have been described in the works of psychoanalyst Eric he Eric H. Erickson it says here anyway uh, but, but but she was uncredited in that she was just a, a voice uh, actor now just inverted commas there because voice actors are brilliant uh, but long before she became the actress with the most oh, Oscar yeah. nominations she played the Jane Fonda movie didn't she but, she did yeah, yeah. 1977 Julia yeah. Yeah. with uh, Jane Fonda as the playwright Lillian Hellman and Vanessa Redgrave in it as well now this is not to be confused Julia is not to be confused with Meryl's later film Julie and Julia now Julia's director, Fred Zinneman, who also made a little something called High Noon back in 1953, I think, actually considered that's an casting... Thing. That's the second connection we go back to earlier on, because with Pat Carty earlier on, David Crosby's father was the cinematographer on High Noon. Hey! No way! Yeah. How about that? Oh, okay, fair. I'll, I'll admit it, me and Dave, were, me and Pat were conferring last Absolutely, night, okay? Yeah. That's That is, now that's good trivia. Really? Yeah, that, well, is, so it seems that is fantastic. Floyd or something, great name, Floyd Crosby or something, I don't know. Anyway. Floyd Crosby, yeah. yeah. But Fred Zinnemann, uh, you know, who made High Noon, actually considered casting Meryl Streep in the title role of this movie. However, as Streep was almost totally unknown as an actress. He had only one play to her credit and never, ever had appeared in a film before. Zinnemann decided to cast Vanessa Redgrave instead. Uh, now, the film is about playwright uh, Lillian Hellman, who's played by Fonda, and her relationship with her friend uh, Julia, who's played by Redgrave, who asked her to smuggle funds into Nazi yeah, Germany right, yeah. uh, to help out with, with liberation of Jews. Now, I remember this flick very well because we had to write a review of it for, for Ecker in school way back, way, back in the, um, back, way back in the 70s. But I think we have a clip here. Now, Meryl only appears very briefly, but let's have a listen. Oh, did you know about the McPhee boy, the little one? He was killed in Spain. Imagine having your brother die a communist. I'm sorry he lost his life, but I wonder why they rush over there. By the way, I tried to see Julia in Vienna, but she wouldn't see me. She's leading a strange life, pretending not to be rich, doing something called anti-fascist uh, anti work. Didn't she drop out of medical school? Yes. Did you ever hear from her? 
Well, I'm glad you had time to see me. You look so very slim, Lillian. Meryl, Meryl, Meryl Streep it is, and Julia. <laughs> so just a final one, just a quick mention of Margot Robbie. She's all over the place at the moment, obviously, with, with Babylon. And yeah, that. yeah. I mean, she may have started out as uh, Donna Friedman and Neighbours, and we're about to see her shortly in Babylon, which is getting very, very mixed reviews, I must say. Have you seen it yet? I have not, no. But I mean, I, I've always wanted to see an elephant do what an elephant does, so I'll go for the first 10 minutes anyway. The elephant in the room, indeed. Uh, and she's about to play the lead role in Barbie this summer, so we'll be seeing a lot more yeah, of uh, yeah. Margot Robbie in the next couple of months. But she began her, her big screen acting career in a, a small budget Australian flick called Vigilante in 2008, in which she plays Cassandra, uh, who is raped, leading her fiancé to train to become a master of hand-to-hand -hand combat and fight crime. So that's another example of you know a major star who started out very, very small and went on to huge success. And there are loads of others as well, obviously. I mean, like, you know, um, you mentioned uh, Leonardo in Critters 3. Did you, did you ever see Home Alone 3? Um, that's not the one with Trump in it. That's, that's the second no, one, isn't it? No, he's in the second one, yeah, yeah. No, I haven't actually, okay. no. Well, do you know who plays the next door neighbour in that? I think the, the, the biggest number, the biggest amount of money paid to an actress these days, it's um, what you call it, Scarlett Johansson. She's in that as a, really? nine, as a nine or a ten-year-old. Wow. And then she went on to be the one who falls off the horse in whatever you call it, the horse whisperer. And so then she ah. became big after that. Clint, Clint was, Eastwood as well. I think yeah. Clint Eastwood's film debut was in Tarantula. He played a, um, uh, an Air Force pilot who's uh, trying to blow up this giant radioactive spider who's, which, which is creeping yeah, out the Mohawk all Desert. Those kind of weird ones. I mean, like this, you mentioned Critters 3 and this, uh, what do you call it? A Nightmare on Elm Street was Johnny Depp. Um, yeah. There was also, um, what do you call it, mm. Demi Moore... In, in Parasite and those kind of things, you know. And um, Har Harrison Ford was one, one I seem to remember. He was in a movie way before Greece, um, in not Greece, sorry, uh, American Graffiti in 1974. You think it was in a movie called Dead Heat on a Merry Go Round? Oh, Dead Heat on a Merry Go Round, yeah. In right, about right, 1967. Right, right. And then he went off to become a carpenter, of course, and that's how he landed on the part of Han Solo because he was working on George Lucas's house as a carpenter. And then and you see sometimes, like, I remember there was a Coming to America was a big movie, and there was one th little bit at the very end Boy Getting Haircut was Eddie Murphy. Beat that. All right. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> yeah, I like it. All right, listen, thanks a million, Alan. Good man yourself. Thanks, Dave. Uh, Cheers, uh, man. Alan Cord is. Take it easy, Alan. Good man yourself. Bye. Dave Fanning on 2FM.